Welcome to the Shining Light Podcast. I'm Pastor Sam, and as you can see, it's a little bit different today here as uh, Patrick's not here, and that's why I went ahead and decided I'd go ahead and do the, the live video today, so just a little bit different. Um, but today, we're going to be looking at an issue that is uh, really big and near and dear to my heart, and I think it's something that's absolutely vital as to what's going on in our nation today, and one of the biggest... Um, well, one of the biggest fights that we're going to have, and this was brought to my attention um, late last week, and it's something that's local here, but it's something that I found out go is going on all around the nation, and this is a uh, productive or protect reproductive health care uh, demonstrations uh, that are going on, and this one here in the Cedar Valley in uh, Waterloo, Iowa, is being put on by the Democratic Action Iowa, or Americans for Democratic Action Iowa, uh, is putting this on, and I, I'm not even going to tell you the times of it, but it's happening uh, Tuesday evening at a park in Waterloo, and this is a, a pretty big issue in my mind, as of course they're sitting here saying, my choice, my body, things like that. Uh, they're of course going out, and this is a, a response a lot to Alabama's um, law that they passed, really a heartbeat bill that they passed and was signed. And so this is, is really what they're talking about. And they're going out and they're trying to demonstrate against it and to go out and protest against it and, and different things like that, which I don't really know quite what an Alabama law has to do uh, much with Iowa's. We are sovereign states, although it is something that is good for the pro-life movement. It is something that is big. So I do understand it in uh, that kind of an idea here. Uh, but also, I, I look at this and I came across this passage this morning in my uh, devotions, and it's it's a passage that really speaks to this. And this was something that was interesting because uh, this morning when I, I woke up and I like to start off by reading a, a proverb a day. That's that's one of the the good things. That's not the only thing I do for my devotions, but it is a a good thing to do to improve in wisdom and to uh, really learn wisdom. But I started off and I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to go and do this proverb a day. Yesterday was the 20th, so today is the 24th. That doesn't make much sense because today's not the 24th, it's the 21st. But for some reason, that, that made sense in my mind before I had my coffee or anything like that. And so immediately I went to Proverbs chapter 24. And I started reading, and about three verses in, I realized it's not the 24th, it's the 21st. But then I thought, you know what? God must want me to read the 24th proverb today. And Proverbs 24:11 says this, Deliver those who are drawn toward death, and hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. And I couldn't help but think of the life issue today in abortion. And that idea of there where it says, deliver those who are drawn toward death. But I wanted to make sure that I was getting this idea correct, uh, and I wasn't just trying to go and to make something up here, that we're to deliver those who are drawn towards death and, and, who are, and hold back those who are stumbling towards the slaughter. And so I looked it up in a few uh, different uh, versions, and one of the versions I looked it up in was uh, the NASB, the New American Standard uh, Bible, and it says this, deliver those who are being taken away to death and those who are staggering to slaughter, oh, hold them back. And I think that there's really uh, not a verse that describes better what a Christian should be doing when it comes to the life issue. 
there is no doubt that abortion is a, a place of slaughter. Abortion mills are slaughterhouses. Uh, they're going out and they're slaughtering people in these abortion clinics uh, because the, the unborn, though they are unborn, they are still human beings. They are still people who are made in the image of of God. And it's not right that Christians sit by idly. In fact, I believe it is totally wrong that Christians sit by idly. I believe this is violation of this scripture. I mean, let me read it again. Deliver those who are being taken away to death. Um, is anybody being taken away to death more than those who are being taken to an abortion mill? No. I mean, that, that, that is literally a place where they are being taken to be killed. This is a scripture that is telling us, deliver those who are being taken away to death. And then the last one, and those who are staggering to slaughter. Oh, hold them back. There are many people today who are staggering into a Planned Parenthood, who are staggering into an abortion mill. They are staggering into those things. And we ought to stop them. We ought to go and stop them. Now, the best way, of course, I, I believe to do this at this point would be to, to go and to abolish abortion, abolish the legality of abortion, make it illegal. It is already illegal. In fact, these are things that are only produced through uh, judicial supremacy, which is absolutely not how our nation is to be working. That's not at all how our nation was designed. That's not how uh, the Founding Fathers put it out. Judges aren't to make law. Uh, we, we could really go and, and get into that today, but that's not where I want to take this today. Instead, what I, what I really want to look at is some passages of Scripture that, that really go and point to the fact that Christians should be pro-life uh, because God is pro-life. And then I also want to uh, get into a little bit of the science of pro-life, and I don't know that we'll have time to get into the legality of being pro-life. Uh, the legal system, but I've I've written a couple blog posts on that, or at least one blog post on that, and uh, written several outlines uh, to go into outline that. And if anybody would ever want my notes, I'd be glad to share them with you. Uh, just go ahead and and let us know at theshininglightministries.com. That's at theshininglightministries.com. We have a contact there, and you can contact us, and I'd be glad to send you my notes on that. But the first of all, why should a Christians, why are Christians pro-life? Why should Christians be pro-life? And, and the first reason is, is because God is pro-life. In Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. Now, this is important and foundational to understand. God made man in his own image. He made mankind in his image. And therefore, anyone who is part of mankind is in the image of God. There's a distinction between all other creation that mankind is distinctly made in the image of God. This is something that is absolutely vital. This is something that is, it is imperative that we understand as Christians. God made us in his own image. Now, this didn't start here at the point of, hey, when, when you're nine months and pass through the birth canal, although uh, part of these reproductive rights that are being uh, gone and protested for is not just 
And by the way, it's not reproductive rights. Uh, that, that, that's just a ridiculous statement. Reproductive rights, that has nothing to do with abortion. Uh, abortion, the, the reproduction has already happened, okay? That, that has already happened. This is going in, in getting out of a consequence. This is getting out of, of a, a result of reproduction, Okay, this is not reproduction rights, okay? This would be the idea to go and to say, hey, work rights are that I can go and fire my boss. Okay, that's, that's ridiculous. That's not how that works. We all understand that. That's a ridiculous argument and ridiculous phrasing is reproductive rights. But part of the big narrative now is, in, is infanticide. What they did in New York, what they did in Virginia, that those children who are born, not just, not just at conception. Now, I believe that Christians should be pro-life at the point of conception, but but look at this. This is even this is even beyond that. This is after they're born. They're going and saying, ah, this is part of my reproductive rights to go and to kill this child. That that's absolutely, absolutely heinous. That is terrible. That that is something that is is not good. It oh, it just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when I think about it. Because God made each one of us in his own image. And each one of us, he made in his own image. Now, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says this, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, this is important that we understand this principle too. It's not just that God made us in his image. It's that the Bible teaches that he desires all people to be saved. So it's not like that he's going out and saying, hey, uh, it's okay if you kill that child. If you go and you kill that child in the womb because I didn't like it. Because I, I didn't like that child. Nope, didn't like it. That's not what God is saying. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God doesn't desire cats or dogs or trees to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth because they're not made in the image of God. Rather, he made us especially in his own image. God made us in his image, and he has placed a great value on each person. In fact, he died on the cross for each one of us. He died on the cross. It tells us in 1 John 2, 2, that he's not just the propitiation for my sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Christ paid the penalty so that people might be saved. And this is why it's, it's absolutely vital as a Christian, a foundational idea that we are pro-life as Christians because if we can't understand, if we can't understand the value of human life, physical human life, how in the world do we think that we can value eternal life, that we can recognize the value of eternal life. Satan has done a great thing by going, and I'm not talking great as in good, I'm talking great as in it is a large thing, a huge thing, to undermine the Christian narrative, to undermine the Word of God by going and devaluing physical life. Because as God has devalued physical life, we no longer view people as made in the image of God, then we no longer go and recognize that God wants them to be saved. We can't rightly wait eternal life if we don't rightly wait physical life. This is something that is absolutely vital for the Christian to understand. We can't rightly wait eternal life 
if we can't weight physical life rightly, if we can't recognize that, God, that man is made in the image of God, that God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, then we cannot rightly weight eternal life. These two things are connected. You want to know a reason why people don't get saved, why we're not in the midst of, of revivals. It's not because we don't have the ability to spread God's word faster into more people than what we ever could before. In a Facebook post, on a YouTube video, you can get more views than what Billy Graham probably had in his entire life in in-person preaching. Now, my YouTube videos and my Facebook videos don't get that many views, but but other people can. And it's one of those things of it's not the fact that we can't reach people that's the issue. It's the fact that our culture has been hardened. Our culture has gone in devalued life because we truly do, as a, uh, as a man I heard speak on this, his name's Phil Haney, said, we live in an abortion culture. We live in an abortion culture. It's our entire culture that the victim doesn't have a face. We don't have a humanized version of the fetus is what people like to say. That's a child. That's a child. We don't put a face to that name. And it doesn't have a name either. We don't put a face to that child. We don't recognize it. This is why Planned Parenthood doesn't want to go and and show people ultrasounds because they don't want them to have a picture of this child. This is something that we need to understand. We live in an abortion culture that has devalued physical life, and therefore we can't rightly equate eternal life to it. It's a great narrative that Satan did. It was was an incredibly cunning, sly move. Out of, uh, on the altar of convenience, Satan went and put a really big, hard, crushing punch to the gospel in our nation. This is why it's absolutely vital that Christians, that pastors specifically, I'm going to call out pastors here, you must speak on this issue. You want to see people get saved. You want to go and, and fulfill a a, a a, something that, that is said in the pastoral epistle of 2 Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Uh, you're not going to do that unless you rightly value life. You're not going to do that unless you speak out against abortion. Because until people rightly value human life, we're not going to really rightly value eternal life. Oh, we'll go around and say, praise the Lord, I'm saved. Oh, hallelujah, praise Jesus. And rightly so. But understand something, we're not going to truly, deeply understand the value of eternal life because we can't even understand physical life. I mean, Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus, he he didn't go and immediately start off with with the spiritual things. He goes and he asks him an earthly question, and then Jesus goes and, and hits him right between the eyes. He says, if you, a teacher, a great person, if you can't understand physical things, how in the world do you think you're going to understand spiritual things? Stop and think about that for a moment. If we can't get the issue of physical life right, do we really think we can get the issue of spiritual life right? Do we really think that? Now, I'm not saying that you can't be saved. That's not my point. 
Whosoever believes in Christ is going to be saved, okay? Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Romans 10, 9, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, then thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, 13, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe on his name. Look, I'm not saying you can't be saved. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you're not going to rightly go out and witness. And there are going to be those who their eyes have been blinded by Satan. And it's because they have totally believed into this abortion culture. That they don't have the word of God in them. They, they don't understand these things. They don't have, have these things. And it's because they've been blinded in Satan's use, this abortion culture. It, because it's, it's a natural thing to become nihilistic. To believe that the world doesn't matter, that there is no purpose in this world. There is no point if life doesn't have value. That is a natural outcome. I don't know how anybody can think that this world has point if they're okay with going and murdering children. It doesn't make sense to me. How can you believe that this world has a point if you can't even recognize the value of life? That doesn't make sense to me. But we also need to realize that God... Uh, not just is he pro-life and he's pro-life and he's because he made us in his image. He's pro-life because uh, he wants us to be saved, but also uh, God is pro-life. And I think we can see this in a couple other verses that are, are more common verses to go to. And that's Psalm 139 verse 13, and then also Jeremiah 1, 5. But first Psalm 139 verse 13, it says, for you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. Now, this points to the fact that God determines life, not someone who is outside the womb, but when we are still inside the womb. Did you catch that? For you, God, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Wow. Wow. Because birth doesn't change the status of a person. We recognize that life starts at conception. Actually, Jeremiah 1.5 probably speaks that life starts before conception. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. God recognizes life and personhood before conception. We can't do that. We can't do that because we, you know... We're not, we're not from eternity past and seeing eternity future. We can't do that. But God, he does recognize this. He does recognize this. Um, also, you know, we look at the idea of Exodus 20, 13 says, you shall not murder, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. That's an important verse as we look at this. It's a mandate for the Christian. It's a mandate. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Okay, don't, don't kill people. Now, that's the thing. People. Is somebody who's in the womb a person? Yes, they are a person. In fact, this isn't just a biblical thing. Uh, though it is a biblical thing, it's also a scientific thing. It says, in human embryology and tetraology from, uh, and this was written by Ronan O'Reilly and Fabiola Mueller, it says this, although life is a continual process, fertilization is a critical landmark 
because under ordinary circumstances, a new genetically distinct human organism is thereby formed. Did you catch that? A new genetically distinct human organism is thereby formed. And this destroys, science destroys the narrative of the left that it's my body, it's my choice. It destroys that narrative. Science. Okay, they like to go into say conservatives are people who, who aren't people of science and they like to go into to, to make fun of us and different things like that. But the reality of it is, is that they don't even recognize simple, simple genetics here, simple biology. Life starts at conception. It's genetically distinct, this child in the womb. Genetically distinct. It's not your body. Also, uh, Keith L. Moore in his book, uh, The Developing Human, uh, Clinically Oriented Embryology, says this, Human development begins at fertilization, the process during which the male gamete, or sperm, unites with a female gamete to form a single cell called a zygote. This highly specialized tatopent cell, I, I'm, I'm not a scientist, so sorry if I miss mispronounce that one, marked the beginning of each of us as a unique individual and marked the beginning of us as a unique individual. We are uniquely human. And by the way, we are human, okay? No one's ever given birth to a cat. No person's ever given birth to a dog. So when they go and they say, that child in the womb, they're not human yet. Yes, they are human, okay? That's, that's just a scientifically absurd argument. This, it's just a crazy, crazy thing. Now, I, I want to speak to a, a couple things here as uh, time's running out uh, to stick with our, our normal time frame. The first thing uh, that I want to touch on is this idea of exceptions. Now, most people want to talk about exceptions from the conservative point of view. Uh, when people go and they bring up con uh, exceptions and, and things like that and say, you know, it's okay with exceptions. Now, I, I don't want to touch on it with a conservative point of view today. Now, I wouldn't mind going and doing that and talking about that. I've got no, no issue. I, I am an abolitionist. I believe abortion should be abolished, and that includes uh, ex exceptions, like we, we shouldn't have exceptions. I'm not including exceptions in that. I'm excluding it, as in the idea of I believe that should be abolished too. But I want to specifically look at this from the left, from the left, because I think this is an, a, an important argument to understand and, and something that, that really, really bothers me. Because I've recently seen a lot of people, people who I'm sure are going to be uh, at this, this uh, Protect Reproductive Healthcare rally uh, in Waterloo this evening. They go and they say this, well, they're going to make it so we can't have abortions uh, in, in the case of rape, in the case of incest, in the case of, uh, of the mother's health, in the case of all these things. And they go and they, they, they really, really pump and push this idea that, that oh boy, you know, they, they present all these exceptions and they're saying, hey, they're going to take away all these heinous ideas. Now let's just for a moment do something that is terrible because you should never do this. And that's accept the premise of the other side. Let's accept the premise that exceptions are okay for just a moment. Exceptions are okay. That that's that truly is the exception to the rule. Now I'm not actually accepting this premise, but just for the sake of argument, I am. If this is the case, if exceptions are okay, why have I not seen a bill from a Democrat or Republican for that matter 
that abolishes all abortion except for these exceptions of rape, incest, and health of the mother. Why have I never seen that bill? It's because it doesn't exist. That's why. It's because Democrats don't really care about these exceptions. It's not, that's not what they're putting out. That's not what they're wanting. They're not wanting to actually stop these exceptions. They're using these exceptions to try to tug on heartstrings, to go and to make people uh, drive their agenda so that they can go and, and uh, have their seared conscience and their seared conscience go and murder their children. That's why. That's why. Now you say, oh, that's a harsh thing. Yeah, it, it is a harsh thing, but, but it's a true thing. We shouldn't go and sacrifice the truth just because it's harsh. The, the, the truth is harsh. You know, if I showed up at an NBA training camp and I said, hey, I, I mean, I love basketball. You know, I want to play in the NBA. I think it's my right to play in the NBA. I want to go play in the NBA. You know what they're going to say? You're five foot seven and terrible at basketball. You're not going to make it. We don't give you a contract. What? You're cutting me? What? That's pretty harsh. Now, I know that's a silly, silly argument. I know that's a silly example. But the reality of it is, is that truth is harsh at times. That doesn't mean we should back away from it. We should be the pillar and ground of the truth as Christians. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He didn't say I'm the way, the truth, when it's not harsh. He said he's the truth. And if you read your Bible, you'll find that, man, there's some harsh stuff in there. But that's not what I, I want to focus in on here. I want to focus in on this idea of exceptions. Exceptions. Why haven't they presented a bill saying that all abortion is abolished except for exceptions? Because I, I hear from the left all the time. I hear from people. I've heard from uh, House representatives. I've heard from, uh, from other politically involved people on the left. Hey, we want to abolish abortion. We, or not abolish abortion. We want to limit the number of abortions. But hey, these exceptions. Hey, th these incests, this, this stuff like this. Man, it, it, oh, we, we need to have it. We need to have it because, I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible, all these things. They go and they say. But yet they don't propose any bills that actually represent that. It's because the reality of it is, is that they don't, the abortion is just, or excuse me, the exceptions are just a talking point. It's just a talking point. They're trying to go and to drive a narrative. That's what it is. They don't really want to go and to limit the number of abortions. They want to go and to be able to murder children and to have a fun time doing it and to say, look, it's because of these exceptions and it only works, you know, if everybody gets to have abortion. That's, that's just not the way it ought to be. It's, it's a lie that they're pushing. But I also want to talk about one more thing here, and that's my uh, most recent article that's published. It's Letters from an Aborted Baby. Dear Mom, Letters from an Aborted Baby. Now this was, uh, and I openly admit here, that this was something that was intended to tug on your heartstrings. Uh, it was difficult to write. It was one of those that, uh, I'm, I'm not very good at grammar. You probably picked up on that if you listen to our podcast. My wife um, proofreads everything for, for me and uh, goes and fixes my grammar and says, hey, you know, you you messed up here. She's, she's just a wonderful, wonderful lady. But as she went and, and looked at this, I said, you know, this is going to be a hard one. And, and it was difficult. It was pretty difficult for her to go and to read. And it's because it puts a face, it puts a voice behind the unborn. 
And I would encourage all of you to go into uh, to read that article. I, I would ask you to share that article, especially if it touched you, because the reality of it is is that the unborn need a voice. The unborn need a face. They can't stand up for themselves. They can't go and protect themselves. And so we must do this. We must stand for them. We must go and protect them as Christians. We must fulfill, as what it says in Proverbs 24, 11, deliver those who are being taken away to death and those who are staggering to the slaughter. Oh, hold them back. We must deliver these people. We must rescue these unborn children from death. We need to do that. Now, as a Christian, this is something that I always try to put forward, something that I believe is very vital for us to understand. It's not merely that we are pro-life. We must be pro-eternal life. It's not just that we want to save people physically. It's that we want to save their souls also. We want them to come to Christ. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We need to be going out and sharing the gospel. Don't merely just go and speak against abortion. Also share the gospel that Jesus Christ died for our sins that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day. The value of physical life leads right into the value of eternal life. The reason I care so deeply about physical life is because I care about eternal life. We must care about eternal life. You must care about eternal life. As Christians, this is our main and vital purpose, to go and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to point others to Christ, It glorifies God greatest when people get saved. Angels rejoice over this. We must go and share the gospel with others. We must go and stand up for those who are being led to the slaughter, but yet they have no voice. They have no face. We must give them that voice. We must be their face. We must go and stand up for the unborn. For the Shining Light Podcast, this is Pastor Sam. Have a great day. You hear him talking about evolution.